0: Hey friends, peace be with you, and welcome back to your next episode of the Reach More Podcast. This is me, Dan Boyd, and today we have a new co-host, and not to say that Mari is not gonna be back, but she is taking a break today. So joining me is my friend, John Barrientes. How you doing, John? doing?
1: Doing well, thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, you got it. So John is one of our other ministry consultants here at the Evangelical Catholic, and he does a lot of the same type of work that Marty does. So today we are going to be talking about the interview I had last week with Jim Bowling. Who, if you haven't watched that yet, Jim is involved in prison ministry. He was a former educator, worked in correctional facilities, and uh, then. Later in life, he felt a calling to go back there. So he reached out to his diocesan office and said, how can I get involved with prison ministry? And he has been living as a disciple, evangelizing the men who are in the correctional facilities around where he lives. And it was really fun. I've never spoken to somebody who's done that type of work before. Um, what did you think of it, John?
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was great to see, I guess, the, the zeal that he has for that particular ministry in the number of years he's been in that, you know, um, especially after. Um, he's been active into it, with so many other, you know, different apostolates and ministries throughout his life.
0: Yeah, that was, that stood out to me when I was uh, talking with him because when he kind of rattled off, he's like, Oh, yeah, I've been involved with, you know, Marriage <laughs> Encounter and Alpha yeah. and, and Retrovi and I think the like Rescue Project. And I was like, Wow, what hasn't this guy been a part yeah. of? And uh-huh. um, it struck me that that is probably, um, like one of the the things that the Lord used to bring him into contact with other people to evangelize. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. he just raised his hand a lot and said, yes, I'll do that. And yeah. I've got to think that that provided him with the opportunities to both to practice the evangelical skills that, uh, that we all need to have um, and showed him where to probably taught him to recognize those, those opportunities.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really um, enjoyed. I don't know if you noticed, but he, after you know being involved in retrovi and being in alpha uh being in marriage encounter he's, he he says after I matured in my marriage and as a father, you know then I was able to pursue the other things and I think um at times where right, we um we have a a trouble maybe prioritizing our lives right and mm-hmm. ordering our lives in a certain way to where our ministry um doesn't uh, cause our, our primary vocations to suffer. you know like our primary vocation to holiness, our prim- our vocations to, um, to the married life, uh, to parenthood. you know sometimes we're involved in a lot of activity and those things can suffer. But it seems like Jim uh, was able to order his life in a way where he focused on his vocation to holiness and, and really invested in his marriage with these uh, with these particular ministries. Uh, like Marriage Encounter, like Retrovia, which helped him to focus on his primary vocation. You know, it's where these ministries became a way where he's investing into his marriage and also investing into others who are maybe experiencing some difficulties with their own primary vocations. Yeah, that's a a great
0: observation. I don't think I had, I didn't catch on to that. But now that you Mm -hmm. say that, going back, I, I kind of replaying the conversation in my mind, I do recall that. And it was very subtle right he said after i mm-hmm. like matured in my marriage and as a father and that i mean that may have taken him a decade or more <laughs> right uh-huh. and then like then he was able to go into this stuff but even then he chose the things that allowed him to continue to grow as a husband uh, probably doing the almost certainly doing these things with his wife um so it's probably a good reminder like the the things the lord are, the lord is telling us to do are not going to pull us away from our, our main vocation and um, that's probably like a, a good litmus test there of if we yeah. are wondering whether or not God is asking us to do something, we can ask, do we think this is going to be a net good or a net bad for my marriage, for my my vocation, for my relationship with my children, that kind of
1: thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think those things uh, make it, make discernment difficult sometimes. Uh, you know, when, when a pastor asks us to be involved in in a particular ministry you know, how much time is this? Uh, am I going to need to commit to this? How much time am I going to need to be away from my family in order to be involved in this particular ministry? And uh, I think sometimes with, with the personal apostolate, um, you know, when we're thinking about the personal apostolate and evangelizing in the world, um, what's great about that is there, there's uh, a lot of freedom in that because you're not being pulled away from your loved ones, you're really spending more time with them right we're we're investing in the relationships that we already have, people who are um in, uh, within our circle of influence, right our family members, our friends our coworkers our neighbors and that's that's what Jim seemed to be doing for most of his life when he was active in ministry. You know it wasn't until his uh children were out of college that he said he was able to give more time to um external ministries, you know he yeah. said. I have more time now to devote uh, to these things because I've been relieved from my duties right, of, of raising my kids. <laughs> so it was like, he knew like, okay, now's the time um, to invest, you know, in, in others who are not my children or, you know, my wife, my immediate family. It was great yeah. to see. Yeah, that was. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: one of the things that that I loved was just the way uh, changing topics here, Jim spoke mm-hmm. about scripture and when I asked, you know, what, what helped you, uh, understand that God was calling you to this, he just like started speaking about his relationship with God and being an extension of Christ and going out to all the world to make disciples and, uh, to, to love your neighbor as oneself. And it was like, he had to me clearly internalized the words of the gospels in his lives. Like, I don't even know if he was consciously quoting scripture so much as he was telling me about, uh, how he wants to live for Jesus. And I love that. I I thought, I mean, he's drinking from the fountain that we all need Mm -hmm. to drink from to not just to be inspired to go out, but to really have the, like that message burning in our hearts because he knows Jesus
1: and wants other people to know him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. When he talked about being an extensive, an extension of Jesus in the world, right? He really does, uh, seem like it really does seem that he's a living witness uh, of Christ especially to uh the residents as he called them right yeah in, yeah. in, the, in the prisons mm-hmm. um, when talking about his relationship with, with scripture you know he wanted to ensure that um, that the men he was ministering to knew that that the word was relevant to their lives right he wanted them to know that this this word is like fully alive right and and we can definitely uh, get something out of it because the Lord wants to encounter us through His Scripture, right? and and Jim knew that and wanted to communicate that to to those men in the prison. Yeah, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. and it's that I want to, I, I do want to go back to you know him talking about residents um, versus mm-hmm. inmates because that was a, that was a switch I'd never heard. Yeah. But um, you know one of the things that's consistently come up as we've interviewed people who are engaged in apostolates is the, uh, the need to be rooted in prayer throughout all of this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those obvious things. It's like, you should make sure you drink enough water and sleep eight hours a day or seven hours a day. And, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's one and of those I things have- it's so subtle, right? You, 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 can easily forget like, this is essential and we have to do it. Or we're just not very good. I mean, if like, if you didn't drink enough water, like forget getting anything else done that day. I mean, if you're drastically <laughs> low, you're going to be like walking yeah. around, Your tongue is going to be like a horseshoe rasp. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, I think being close to the gospels is, is similar to that. We're like a a part of that in that in our prayer, um, it's clear listening to people who are out living their evangelical call that -hmm. they draw near to Christ in prayer and they know him. And that's, um, you know, for, I think for all of us, this is a, a good opportunity to stop and think like, when's the last time we just sat with the Gospels? You know, we hear them every Sunday, um, mm-hmm. but we might be distracted or we might hear just a, a fragment of a passage. And how often do we go back and read the whole passage or the whole chapter? Um, and if it's been a while, now might be a great time to read through the Gospels again. And my guess is you could read through all four Gospels in a month with only just a few minutes each night.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is an important uh, component of evangelization, right? Our connection to Christ, right? Jesus is our, our firm foundation, right? And we if we aren't familiar with the gospels, if we aren't familiar with the life of Christ, then it's going to be difficult to, to share who he is, right? Because we're sharing Jesus with another person, right? He is the good news. Yeah. Right? And so men like Jim, men and women like, like Jim, Um, seem to know that, I think it is pretty intuitive, right? That we have to be steeped in the word. Uh, We have to be familiar with the life of Christ in order to witness to others.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that could be a good call. Maybe the Lord is inviting all of us to spend a little bit more time with him in the scriptures to learn to hear his voice. Uh, I have have a good friend who uh, would say and repeat um, when people say, well, I don't hear God. uh, He would ask them like, have you learned the sound of his voice? And you learn the sound of his Mm. voice by reading the scriptures uh, and Mm -hmm. especially through the gospels. But going back now to uh, that idea of of dignity and actually like uh, acknowledging the dignity. So Jim said uh, he called them residents as they prefer to be called now and not inmates. And um, that was the literally the very first time I have ever heard them referred to as residents of a correctional facility and not inmates and it was something that um immediately struck me and I, I know for people listening this might be a little hard especially if you've been the victim or you know somebody who's been the victim of a crime yeah. it can be easy to um in, to refer to people in terms like inmate um because mm-hmm. it helps us to remember this person has hurt me and this person has offended me um, yeah. but what Jim is doing is recognizing their humanity and um, yeah. you know, everybody at some point in time will struggle to see in themselves a child of God. So this is true of people who have committed crimes. This is true of people who have committed all sins and that we fail to recognize in ourselves the image of God and that we're, we're made with his freedom, with his goodness. And that's it. That we're called to love as God loves. Um, and Jesus, has this uh, he is the one who has the vision and the voice to call each of us and help us to recognize who we are as sons and daughters of God and Jim is living that he's doing that same thing by calling out of these men um, the reality that they're sons of God they're not just inmates they're not just people who've committed a crime they're sons of God and redemption is offered to them too um and that I think that extends from the the evangelical perspective to all people. And that um, I've heard uh, psychologists say things like, um, if you really become curious about something, someone, then um, it's easy to listen to them. And it's easy to, to kind of allow them to reveal themselves to you. And I think what Jim is doing is by, rather than saying you're an inmate, I know a lot about you by the title, saying you're a resident, you're a child of God, I'm going to allow you to reveal yourself to me and there's something very sacred about <laughs> allowing that that child of God to express him or herself uh, uniquely in mm-hmm. their kind of their their own createdness so that we can then respond and elicit that response to Christ and in the you know we when we listen then we find out what people need and that's when we can help them see Christ is the answer to that desire
1: um, mm-hmm
0: so yeah. it's not a, go ahead.
1: Oh yeah, I was just uh thinking about uh, the difference there of of um of calling them a, an inmate and calling them uh residents because you know when you call them inmates, I think it, it it means that their identity really relies their identity resides, you know, in in their transgressions. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's uh um I think that's what what satan does you know to all of us right he's the, the accuser right the mm-hmm. accuser kind of identifying us as uh as ours as our sins right he um i heard this quote recently i'm not i'm not sure who it was by it was um it said that that um uh satan knows our name but calls us by our sins and god uh, knows our sins but calls us by our names right and i i think in this way um Right. When we do refer to people as, as inmates, you know, we're, we're really calling them by their sins, right? Even though we know their name. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, as you said, I, I think it is a, a difficult balance there, right? Because we know that that they have um, maybe injured, you know, others in their lives and that's why they're there. But it's good just to remind them of their own dignity because uh, being in, in jail, in jail, being in prison is um, can strip someone of their dignity. I remember speaking uh, to someone when I was involved in in uh, ministering to, to someone in a county jail, um, him uh, relaying this, you know, this horrific story of how he was treated. And he, he asked, uh, don't they know that I'm human? You know, don't they know that I'm a person, uh, but, but I'm not an animal, you know? And uh, that really uh, struck me, uh, struck me, you know, that Knowing that many people who are in the in these facilities are stripped of their dignity almost immediately because their rights, you know, are are taken away. And I think it's beautiful that Jim, you know, really wants them to, to be reminded of their dignity and their identity as sons of God, because that is the truth, right? That is the truth. And that's what Jim is is reaffir- reaffirming. The yeah. truth of who they really are. And I think that's the foundation of really our spiritualities, right, is knowing who we are in God's eyes. And uh, that is our starting place.
0: And I think that's the, like you said, the starting place. Like if,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. until we can view other people with that lens, right? This is a child of God. This is a daughter of God. Mm -hmm. And we can become curious about who they are and their unique story and how God has been a part of that story already and wants to continue to be. Um, I think we're ill-equipped. To share the gospel with them and to evangelize, because otherwise we can't fully understand where they are and, and how they would best respond to the
1: gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Uh, Henry Nouwen in uh, Life of the Beloved. I don't know if you've read that. He he says, you know, once we um, accept that identity, uh, accept our identity as, as sons and daughters of God, and we know that to be true, then we can see that that's true for um, everyone that we encounter. Yeah, you know, that's true for us. That's true for everyone that we meet. Uh, do we treat them in that way? Do we treat ourselves that way, right? But do we do we treat others with with that same dignity that God has has given to us as as his beloved sons?
0: The have you uh seen the musical Les Mis?
1: Yeah, but I don't really remember much. Oh, okay, don't tell you. anyone. Don't
0: Oh man, anyone. well, yeah, hundreds of thousands of people are going to listen to this and they're going to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not like you haven't seen Hamilton, and you're you know you're not we're we're not telling everybody that you haven't seen Hamilton. That, then it, there really would be public shaming. Um, but so in <laughs> in Les Mids, there's this amazing uh, like show, showdown. I think the song is actually called the Showdown. Um, mm-hmm. But the police officer who's tracking Jean Valjean, his name is Javert. And mm-hmm. do you know how Javert refers to Jean Valjean? no he only refers to him by his number the number oh okay, assigned yeah. to him in incarceration two do you know what it is
1: no i don't remember the
0: number but oh, okay. I it's that it. it's two four six oh one and in this this song the showdown so when i saw this live the stage actually had this circle that would would spin uh-huh. right it was part of the floor so they're on the floor and the, it's like a, almost like a sing-off right so they're singing to each other and it's this like this back and forth it's really powerful. But on this stage, it was rotating around. So you see these two guys staring each other down and they're rotating as they're singing. It was outstanding. But um, Javert would would say like, you know, 24601, you were born inside a jail or I was born inside a jail because his father worked there. I was born with scum like you. And Jean Valjean, 24601, responded, you know nothing of my life and the price I've had to pay. And it was this reminder, like I am more than than just the this number that yeah. was assigned to me, um, which you know in, in a much more uh, like s- scary, terrible way. That's you know that like the numbers assigned to people in in concentration camps, which is you know an absolute stripping of their human dignity and identities. You are no longer mm-hmm. a person; you're just a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody can go watch lay mids. Uh-huh. I promise you will not. If nothing else, you won't be disappointed with that. Uh, with that that scene. Um, one of the, one of the things I can't wait for is when I get to heaven and I can sing, cause I can't sing now. I have a terrible voice. I'm going to sing that song. I'm going to sing it out. Loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, I probably, I'm probably overselling it. People are going to go and they're like, it's not that good, Dan. Uh, mm. but okay. So the, the, when I asked Jim about failure, he uh mm-hmm. you know, he responded with a, a Kenny Rogers <laughs> quote, you gotta know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And then I was just waiting, I was like, okay, where's he going with this one? Because it's a good song. Um, although I've heard poker players say, like, that's terrible poker advice. <laughs> um, <laughs> you gotta count your money so that you know how much you have. <laughs> um, but I where he went with it was there's a a teachable moment in Everything And I think he's you know he's really drawing that from the, his classroom experience, but um, working with these guys, uh, the residents in the facilities, he he's had this experience where he'll be sharing something, and he recognizes somebody's open. We can go deeper right now, and hmm. uh, that's a that's a tricky thing to navigate because um, you don't want to give too short of an answer so that you don't satisfy their curiosity, but yet you don't want to go way over the top and give a five minute answer when a 30 second answer will do. Um, Mm -hmm. what are some of the the signs that, that we can look for when we are, we're speaking with somebody and we realize there's a window for a teachable moment.
1: Yeah, I think it, it really is, uh, important that we recognize where, where people are, right. Uh, we have, uh, this sort of principle in, in, in reach more, right? We, we teach people how to recognize where people are in their lives. Because some people who who aren't curious about the faith, right, who aren't actively seeking um, the Lord, they may just want to know a little bit about Catholicism, right? So, like, why are you Catholic? So, it's important that we, we just share with them, right, a, a two minute reason of why we believe what we believe. But they're not looking for us to you know, to hand them um, our dissertation, right? Or or <laughs> uh, give them the summa, right? Um, but when people do want to get deeper, the, the questions uh, maybe change, right? Uh, they're really asking deeper questions. Maybe they're asking you to share um, about your conversion story, right? And uh, maybe they're open to, to hearing it, right? And it's important that we're attentive to where... Um, someone is so we are giving a satisfactory answer because someone might ask you, you know, why are you Catholic um, today and um, a two minute answer suffices, but maybe as you continue to journey with them, you know, three, six months down the line, they may, may ask you the same question, but they have a deeper um, desire, right. To, to know, to really know how did you encounter Jesus? Right. How did he change your life? Right. And that's going to be a longer answer, really, because now they're they're really curious of um, they're curious about what the Lord can do uh, in their lives. Right. And maybe they're they're open to to life change. And uh, so, yeah, really recognizing where people are on the stages uh, of uh, deepening conversion. That's it's incredibly important.
0: It seems like listening is really a key part there yeah. um, so that you know, we, it can be very tempting to come up with an answer before we know the question. Yeah. And, and so even if they ask, like, Oh, tell me about your story. Tell me why you're Catholic. Um, and even it, that's a pretty straightforward question, but there may be an opportunity to ask a, a, a clarifying question to allow them to express like with more specificity. What, you know, what is it that you're curious about? Um, mm-hmm. Because then, you know, we we really know what they're asking about, and we don't have to to be generic, but we can be specific in that answer. Um, yeah. And then it it actually is going to create an opportunity for them to share. You know, if we say, "Oh, well, you know, I'm I'm happy to," can I ask, you know, what part you're you're really interested in, or oh yeah, what you know why uh, why do you why are you interested in that, or or what makes that yeah. um, kind of a point of curiosity to to you you allow them to reveal themselves even more. And uh, again, I mean, I think that's just one of those things it's everybody, most people like talking about themselves. Um, but this gives a, this gives them an opportunity to share and to, to reveal themselves to us rather than, than us doing all the talking.
1: Yeah, very true. We need to, to really ask and, um, ask clarifying questions, right. To really understand where, where they are. And I think that's why relationship is, uh, is a, a key component, right? Building a relationship with the person across the table from you, um, and it seemed like Jim um, really came to a deep understanding who uh, these men were and knew um, the desire on their hearts, and, to, and was able to uh, to go deeper when they desired to, and not to not too soon and um, not too late, you know. Uh, yeah. And I think it's it's really trial and error. I think in the in the realm of evangelization. Uh, it really is trial and error. It's just that there's a, a learning curve, you know, uh, I think um, uh, sometimes we do give uh, a 30 minute discourse when <laughs> when uh, a 30 second answer would have uh, sufficed, you know, um, and I think it's just uh, trial and error, right? F- really figuring it out, uh, because it varies from individual to individual, you know, and you may leave a conversation and thinking wow i blew that completely right i talked to their heads off you know yeah or or Guilty. Oh, man, like I, yeah or like oh man i didn't i didn't share why it was important to me right maybe i just uh, got lost in the realm of apologetics and thought i was defending the faith right but really this person wanted to know why i was catholic right uh not necessarily. He, they didn't want to uh, want me to to win an argument, right? They just wanted to hear how the Lord has changed my life. Yeah, those are different.
0: Yeah, people love those kind of stories. You know, the That's true. the what like the textbook answers often aren't. Uh, that might not be what what convinces somebody. Uh, I mean, sure. sometimes they are. But remember, I gave a talk one time and I asked somebody for feedback, and they actually wrote me a letter. It was very beautiful, and they shared. Uh, that while everything I said was true, they would have loved to hear my story more, and they shared about uh-huh. a a gentleman they knew who converted because uh, he this gentleman asked a Catholic, "Why are you Catholic?" And the the response was a very deeply personal story about experiencing God's love in the church, uh-huh. and uh, that was what led this this Protestant gentleman to convert. And I realized my talk had really been devoid of any of that. It was just kind of dr- like a lot of dry information. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, I realized, wow, you know, people do want to hear, they want to hear the good news, not just news, but like the good news. What is this, like, wh- what does this do for your life? And so yeah, um, that, that's really uh, stayed with me as I've
1: thought about it over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they want to hear your good news, right? They want to they know um, why this matters. Why is this relevant for my life? You know, is this going to be life changing or am I just going to go through the motions with this? Right. Is, is being Catholic just all about going to mass every Sunday? Is that it? You know, or yeah. what what have you found in the Lord? Right. What, what, how are you living a life of Christ in your daily life? What changes have you made? Right. What changes has it is that uh, made in your family? You know, um, they want to hear that because that's that's compelling because that gives them an idea of want to look forward to here in this world right though we hope you know in uh, for eternal life right um we also want to see some sort of transformation in our own right we want to be filled with joy and hope love and mercy right um so you know how is that going to be uh, how is my conversion going to be life-changing
0: so that, uh, that makes me think that our, maybe our commitment for this week, in addition to reading the Gospels more, uh, could be to check out Next Steps. So you can uh, just search for EC Next Steps. We'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, there's a, a module on there. So that's a free uh, learning platform to learn some of the most essential skills for evangelization. And you can learn to tell your story so that when somebody asks you why you're a disciple, why you follow Jesus, then uh, you've got that ready. And so I'd I'd encourage everybody, uh, if you haven't done that before, it's great to do uh, so that we become really familiar with our own story. And if you've already done it, then maybe it's a great time to just go refresh that so that you can remember uh, all those details and really be ready with it uh, so that next time somebody asks you and you only have a few minutes, you can give them an answer that makes them or leaves them wanting more. Were you, I, I thought I heard you like clicking around. Did you find it, John?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I was just uh, thinking, is it com or org? It's ecnextstep.com. and you're referring to uh, the course "Discover Your Story." Yeah, uh, so yes yeah. That's a, yeah. It's a it's an incredibly powerful short course uh, that takes you through uh, through an exercise of making a life map, and um, and um, yeah, it really helps you to under to to reflect and pray with your own story, and right, and be able to to share that with others in the future. So, yeah, I'd encourage everyone to, to visit ecnextstep.com and go through Discover Your Story. Well, cool. thanks for pulling it up, John. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: John, it's been fun talking about
1: the interview with Jim
0: today. Same. And I look forward to doing a, an interview with you sometime soon and uh, continuing to right. develop this podcast with you and Madi and all the other cool people at the Evangelical Cabin. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to it, Dan. Thanks. You got it. Well, friends, thanks so much. And we are very happy you joined us for this one. And uh, again, our our challenge is let's try to read more scriptures. So maybe in the next month, um, let's try to read through, if not all the gospels, at least one of the gospels. And if you haven't already practiced your story, then you can check out ecnextsteps.com, discovering your story. So peace be with you, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Well friends, there you have it. That is our follow-up conversation, drawing out some of the best principles from our discussion with Jim Bowling from his work in prison ministry. And we hope that you can apply some of those to your own life, especially spending more time with the gospels to develop that intimacy with Jesus so that you really can share him authentically and learning to recognize the dignity in others and and kind of helping them respond to Jesus' invitation to be restored as sons and daughters of God and uh, finally recognizing the the teachable moment, which we get by uh, listening to people and allowing them to reveal to us when they wanna know more and what they wanna know more about. So uh, until then, let's uh, spend our time glorifying Jesus, loving Him, loving neighbor, and drawing more and more people into relationship with Him so that they can experience the goodness of His love and mercy. Peace be with you, everybody. Bye.